Good afternoon, everyone here at the Renew and also online stream channel. Welcome to TX Talk Series. This event is really special because it is the first time that we do in person meeting. Tech Meetup co host with the SB Tech Atato, S10, and also the 70 that gave us the avenue today. Thank you. First of all, I would like to introduce myself. With. My name is Aspon. Currently, I am Innovation Program Manager at SCB Tech I will be moderator today for panel discussion today. For today's agenda, there are two main sections that we will discuss. First is about the fight, the future of FinTech in Web3. That will be the panel discussion. And after that, we will do the QA. The, the people here at the video can ask the question by raising your hand, and then we give the microphone to you guys. And the second session will be like an interview of the F10 incubator program. Yeah, okay. And I think most of, of the audience here and also live streaming know about our panelists already, but maybe let our panelists do a quick one minute interview of themselves and their record. And then we will start our discussion topic. Yeah, let's start with them. Hi, can you go for it? Hi everyone, my name is Andre. I run the innovation lab uh, in the uh, and I, I think uh, actually I run the dev advocacy uh, for the um, I have a long background in enterprise software, um, got bored of it, thought of doing innovation and you know, cool stuff is more interesting. So uh, I have a very extensive like uh, tech background. Um, used to used to work with a lot of cloud technologies as I to do this day. Um, and a lot of the focus now in SCTX is really trying to push I think the new uh, paradigm for technology, I think for not just the bank itself, but I think for all of the subsidiaries and the ESP. Hi, my name is Jonas. I'm the head of Dev and Incubator um, in Singapore. And we are yeah, we are a global innovation network based out of Singapore, Switzerland, Spain. I'm really glad to be in Thailand now for the first time. Uh, since since COVID and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll show you guys more about what we do, but we are working with startups and corporates, bringing them together and providing different kinds of programs. All right, hi. Uh, sorry, hello. Uh, yes, so hi, uh, I'm Ustam Akhtas, I'm the CEO of uh, Seven Peak Software. Um, I also have an engineer background, I've been working with enterprise software for the last 15 years, I've been living in Thailand for the last 12. Uh, very passionate about building software um, and delivering products for our clients. Primarily working with bigger enterprise clients here in Thailand as well as uh, regional and India. Uh, thanks, uh, good afternoon everyone. My name is Max. Uh, I'm the co founder of Atato. Uh, my background is actually in finance. I used to be uh, managing a very corporate trading firm for more than 12 years. And uh, 2012, uh, in a bar in Bangkok, actually, uh, and tried it, and I fell in love with it. It was a completely different space at that time. We were like four or five and a half pieces in the bar. It's a completely different space now. We are at hosting by a bank, <laughs> and uh, at that all what we do, uh, actually we offer custody services for businesses for, uh, when you're under cryptocurrencies, we uh, basically provide the software to secure and manage the cryptocurrencies. So uh, thanks, Andre, for the invitation. I think we, today we'll get the great insight for because your background is very, very great for the Web3 and also the blockchains. Yeah. So, so let's start a bit for like uh, when we, before we go into the questions. I 
So, I mean, like, for us, for us, I think, like, you know, we are made of technology, because technology at the end of the day is, you know, based, like, like based on what you're able. Um, but at the, end, at the end of this, if I go back to what we was the school inside, I think, like, TechX now has the job that he plays for school inside, right? They have to now start to listen to users more intently. It's not just about, you know, like, trying to find out how to sell more known products, right? I think now they start thinking about how do I get, let's say, a micro loan item like you know, quickly up to the customer? Uh, can I offer him different ways to actually like, you know, sell the product and whatnot, right? So that's exactly, I think, where the green position up, which I think is great, because then we at the innovation group, you know, get to work with people like them and uh, we discuss all the interesting things and at the end of the day, making them into like a product, whether it's like a data, whether it's a blockchain, whether it's, you know, et cetera. And in front of all of this, I think it's just one big new web thing. So yeah, I think that's what I'll say. Yeah, okay. So the next question will go to Yeah. Yeah. Consider that the other goal is the solution provider that going blockchain and become access right now in Thailand and moving in for one of these three and get out. What do you take on this? What do you think on this? So very general questions, but maybe uh, lead to a bit of history exactly like you said. Uh, so we started at Atto in 2018 with the idea basically to build blockchain platform for corporates. Mostly our clients were banks, crypto exchanges, some of you may know some of them. And um, when we were talking with businesses about blockchains, nobody cared. It was uh, the bear market, they say, yeah, it's cool, uh, Bitcoin is crashing, uh, your technology will never get adopted, and so on. So today, everybody talks about digital assets, everybody wants to do digital assets, they don't understand anything about it, but they want to do it. So, um, it's a very different space compared to three other groups for a couple of reasons. The first part is that they see that crypto, Bitcoin, Ethereum are not dying. It's been over 10 years now, and they have the financial people, financial institutions, start to say, okay, well, this thing stay up, and more and more people are working on it. So okay, we need to look at it in a more serious fashion. The second part, which is very important, is regulation. I mean, I know crypto is for anarchists and you want to be your own bank and so on, but uh, let's be real, nothing gets done if the regulation is not actually managing. In Thailand, we are very lucky because since 2019, uh, we have a clear regulatory framework. You can do by your Bitcoin on GitHub or Zinex the right way, right? Um, but it's a really different space for businesses because now they can invest in budget. They can look at the technology, it's regulated, they can uh, talk to their board and they have the green light to do so. The last part is that it's about uh, what are we developing for people on blockchain. Two years ago, nobody understood what blockchain was, they had a bit of crypto in their web, but that's it. Because crypto becomes was actually based on what's called to become their own bank. They don't want to be in the financial system. You want to be your own bank. Uh, it's made for tech people. It's very difficult to, uh, to approach it. Very difficult to in a certain way. Now it's different. People are building product the same way as Andre was saying for the day-to-day people. And uh, I want product that my mom can use today. She will never set up a MetaMask and trade on the nation. So uh, what's coming now in blockchain? It's much more easy to uh, to onboard products. That's why, that's why we see more adoptions. In Thailand, we see a lot of young people who 
don't have much access to crypto uh, broker, I mean, stock brokers and financial product. For crypto, you can do it by yourself. So um, the last thing I would say, why do you see uh, a big change that we have seen, especially since last year, is that the people who come to work in cryptocurrencies are already smart. People from Google, uh, Microsoft, I mean, people who are not looking at the space in a Two years ago, now wants to work in the cryptocurrency. So, completely different. I was not expecting it to be that fast, but uh, in the next two years, we'll be quite incredible. So, those are great insights from both Andre and Maxim. Yeah. Into what is happening to the landscape, which may lead to the next topic of discussion, we will go to Jonas with the better. We in the better space having simple edge to our passion. Where do you see the biggest area for innovation and disruption of existing? What do you think about this? Yeah, great question. So, as I said, we are, especially for me, uh, being uh, located in Singapore, we are looking at startups from, from really from across the region. Um, and I think the, the, kind of the, the key areas, looking back also at last year, last year, uh, ASEAN startups raised 3.5 billion. US dollar, which is actually three times over um, 2020. And um, so it's, it's a significant growth. And the growth areas, especially that we saw last year, like I know the later, later lending areas really growing strong. I think it's a bit of a clamp down on regulators are stepping in, which probably is not, not a bad idea. <laughs> and you mentioned before, you know, digital banks, I think a big topic as well. And I think uh, for for incumbents, it's in a way also a way to, to really now go, go ahead and, and to innovate. Maybe a topic you, you are really close as well. Um, for, for us as well, this year, it, it's been a, a big topic already, Web3, and here we are talking about Web3. I think what we are really seeing um, two years ago, like like Martin said, I think two or three years ago, people were still very, very hesitant, maybe didn't even want to talk to you if you mentioned crypto. And what we saw last year is really like interest is building and capabilities are built internally. They, they hire smart people. So what I would foresee for this year is really like the incumbents are going to try to experiment with digital assets. I think infrastructure needs to be built. So very bullish on that and for us as well. Um, but I, I also need to throw in a couple of passwords here. I think uh, GameFi is a big topic for us, working with Clayton, actually. Clayton is a public blockchain arm. So gaming, uh, blockchain gaming is a big topic. Then also the, the metaverse um, is, a, is another big topic that, of course, goes into gaming. But we saw, for example, JP Morgan just opening a launch in Decentraland, which I visited. and. Um, Interesting. There's not much, not much to see, frankly. Um, it's it's basically um, you can on a couple of reports that are uh, sitting on the tables, and you can uh, listen to a couple of webinars. But again, I think it's all about experimentation. They're going in there, they're setting this up, and we're working very closely with our partners to always be at the forefront and explore new ideas. So we're running an early stage program. It's much more explorative, and then a later stage uh, startup, which is more more about really then matching matching for specific uh, use cases that they have. And maybe last point on kind of areas in ASEAN, we are very bullish um, on markets like Indonesia, uh, which.
which is the actual market. But I think in terms of crypto, um, for us, Thailand is very interesting. So that's why I want to hear and explore that space. Um, and also Vietnam has a lot of tech talent, actually. So we are also looking at uh, startups from, from Vietnam. Yeah, I guess. So next is uh, Justin. Yeah, and so we provided from the 17 applicants that have been with many companies across the industry. What do you view on this for the fintech landscape? Yeah, um, I, I think in this part now is uh, dealing with software. As in, there has been, uh, again, I'm a here, I'm passionate about software, I'm passionate about solving problems. Um, over the last few years, of course, you've had AR, AR, AI, ML, uh, blockchain. Um, so, so again, Oculus and Facebook have been working on one, one I would say, the, the metaverse for like, about 10, 12 years. Um, there is, there's a lot of kind of things happening for AR. You have what the Snapchat glasses. You have so, so again, I'm all for innovation. I'm all for social development. But the engineering team is all about solving problems. So I think for me that is kind of what, what I see now with most clients that come to us that want to have but the question now is, you have the money grab, that people see there's easy money that want to jump on it, then you have the people that actually want to solve a problem. Um, so, so I think for us, as I would say, we stop the company helping product enterprises to solve problems. Um, blockchain is, I would say, it's part of our toolbox. Um, but we are always trying to really define the problem statement. What are you trying to solve? Uh, and is this right tool or not? Some cases, there are good uses cases for it. One of our clients here, uh, Fraction, is the fractionalized ownership of real estate. Uh, you have kind of the title deeds put into a trust. Uh, you have an entity that is actually tied to an actual asset. Um, and it's again fractionalized and, and, and for me it makes sense from a, from a use case point of view. Point. Then you have the crazy monkey and the green monkey and the blue monkey and the JPEGs. And the, that is not tangible in any way. Um, Exactly, solve the problem. I'm not really sure. So I think for, for my side and our side, is that we are there as consultants. We are there to help and solve problems and find solutions for problems. Um, and and for me, on the personal side, I think like blockchain is, is kind of is a technology looking for a problem. Um, and, and that is going to be very interesting to see now in the next few years uh, where it ends up and where is that real problem to be solved. And and of course, it's very interesting to see all the focus now from special investors and big companies now investing into this. Um, and I really like to see kind of what, what the future brings and, and what kind of problems will be solved now. Like if it's international remittance, or if it's uh, helping unbanked, or if it's helping grandmas invest their money. Um, so, so, yeah. yeah. So, Maxim, I would like to pivot back to you because one of the major technology trends as creative both around object, tokenization of assets, and also web team infrastructure. How have you changed the way you perceive the technology? Digital economy and the importance of cross border coinciding partnership. What do you think? Yeah, it's a very uh, large question, but I just would like to raise on something that you were saying because um, it was the case two years ago people were saying, okay, blockchain is a, a solution looking for a problem. But the thing that people don't understand is that blockchain is not here to solve the problem of today, it's basically to create new businesses. Just giving you an example, actually, it's related to your question. So, um, you know, we unfortunately we see what's going, uh, what's happening today in Ukraine. 
what happened, basically they created a DAO, a decentralized uh, autonomous organization. People were sending funds in less than 24 hours. We have a few millions which actually were going where it was supposed to go and actually organized and managed uh, by the community. Before it was not possible. You had to pay, uh, you have to pay an organization, wait 48 hours for transfer and so on. So going, what I'm seeing is that it's the same way for decentralized finance. Today, uh, I remember for many years I was trying to buy US stocks as a foreigner in Thailand. I couldn't do it. Uh, no banks were, were going to sell me a stock, they were going to sell me a farm and so on. I would have loved to go to Robinhood and buy some stocks. Today, with blockchain decentralized finance, gladly I don't have to ask a bank. I can go, I can participate to the finance space, don't need to ask anybody, I can do it. And those new things, they didn't exist two or three years ago. And so it's difficult for people to just project themselves in business that do not exist yet. So, um, yeah, so how I see, and I should come back to, uh, to your questions, um, blockchains actually blur the borders. So we are seeing it with Ukraine, we are seeing it with decentralized finance. It's partially true. Because today, uh, basically, you need to follow regulation. Uh, if you want to buy cryptocurrency in Thailand, go to Binance, like a lot of people, but otherwise you need to go to a, a regulated exchange and report your tax and so on. So the regulator is trying to keep the border for this new technology, but clearly we see a very uh, uh, breed of young, smart people who are creating protocols that never existed before, accessible to anybody, whatever the age you are. You don't need to wait 18 years old to buy a stock. Actually, it's insane, but anyway. So what I'm seeing, to come back to your questions, um, I see a lot of partnerships and I see a lot of communities. What we didn't see much on Web2, so Facebook and uh, social media, okay, it's a giant community, but you didn't have a fan club of Facebook. When you talk about NFTs, GameFi or decentralized finance, you have a lot of group, people are in the community, they discuss different protocols, they exchange a lot in many different countries. And I think blockchain is a super good tool to basically blur the borders, discuss with everyone from anywhere, and participate to super cool stuff. I mean, when we decentralize finance, it's horrible. Um, frankly, you need to be a tech guy to understand it. But the moment you get it, well, it's super nice. And uh, you get hooked and you want to understand it more. But we are going to see to finish on your questions. In the next uh, year or two, you're going to see much more user-friendly interfaces uh, for to abstract all the technology, it's made for the nerds and tech people, maybe like us. We love it, but 90% of the people don't. Um, so I think we are going to uh, to see very cool application that you're going to have in your phone. You will not really realize the interaction technology behind. And uh, on our side, I think yeah, community is very, very important. Yeah, that's great. So Andre. What about you, especially when SB Tech is positioned to serve both Thai market and broader Asian market in the future? Yeah, difficult questions to answer. Um, I want before I think I want to talk about TechX. Um, I want to like also talk a little bit about like border border kind of restrictions, right? Um, I think you brought a very good point when it comes to like DAOs as well as like DeFi, and I'll say why because. We throw the word Web3, we throw the word 
chain uh, around today, like, you know, it's just a random uh, word that we think everyone understands. But I remember, I remember back then, like, you know, like a good, like, six, seven years ago when I first kind of, like, looked at all of these things. What got me into it wasn't the currency. I think what got me into it was the ideology, right? Um, decentralized, uh, decentralized, and uh, you know, no matter way, vaccine calls them anarchists. Um, I I just think it's more just self-management, right? Um, that that exact ideology has brought finance people and non-financial people together discussing strategies on DeFi protocols, right? Um, I'm a very big DeFi fan. Uh, I use DeFi every day, um, and I don't. I shouldn't be saying this, but I don't believe in putting my money in the bank as well. Um, um, so, so the truth is that the reason why tech people actually like it is not necessarily because of the money, not because of like you know um, the tech itself, but tech people I find are inherently rebellious to some to some nature, right? That has allowed like all of the different cultures. It doesn't matter whether you're white, black, you're yellow, you know, you live in whatever not state, etc. That we can discuss things as equals and basically as like, you know, an NFT with a profile picture on Twitter and no one's gonna judge you, right? And that's something that I think is very difficult to find today. Now, if I bring that thought into a business context, there's always gonna be the case where, you know, like uh, I would rather work with company A or company B because, you know, they're known for, you know, bringing big deals, etc. right? And I think what's good about TechX, uh, at least like how it's growing its culture as well as like how I think why we're even sitting here today, right? I mean, all of us are all from different nationalities, right? We're still sitting here today talking about this, right? Um, is that it allows the companies to then be very targeted and strategic about what they want to do. Um, and remove all of that, you know, that again, 150-year-old banking thinking and say, I'm more than willing to try out uh, working with, let's say, a startup because uh, they may have good ideas, right? And this is going back to, I think, what you said as well about blockchain doesn't sometimes try to solve problems of today. Uh, blockchain tries to actually create uh, new kinds of like, businesses for tomorrow. And that's exactly that investment mentality that you know people are taking today as well. And I think of blockchain technology, Web3, outside of just the ideologies of all of these as investments that you want to make so that you are ready to actually handle the market if the market is going to be dead for you, right? Goes back to, some change. Um, goes back to a little bit of like what I said about product, right? Uh, I think the first sentence as well. You cannot always necessarily wait for the opportunity to come up even you, but you have to be ready if the opportunity comes up, right? Um, but I agree with what Austin said as well because like a lot of people again, you think about you think about um, people trying to use blockchain as a word, right? And they're just trying to find things to chuck blockchain in. They're just like I remember five years ago when um, API was a buzzword, right? Five, six, seven, eight years ago, everybody was talking about APIs and microservices, but no one knew why they had to use APIs in the first place, right? Um, and it's a very similar thing that we see today, right? But going back, I think really to like you know, TechX uh, culture partners or not, 
it's becoming more and more important, I think, for companies, especially in Thailand, to start to realize that we are not, you know, a Thai-based company. We are a company that has the opportunity of the fragmented market of ASEAN to actually make a lot of friends, right? And by thinking of the ideology asset, by right, decentralizing that out, allowing a company to, you know, run what they're good at, I'm not going to send a blockchain guy to sell for a good, right? It makes no sense. And if a company knows how to do that well, and how a company like SecX actually starts to think about putting people in the right places, whether it's in different countries, whether it's in different technologies, especially I think in the world of IT, we always used to say we are connected, we are connected, but like what you know, was very mentioned, Web 2 is like connection without real connection, right? Now it's interaction, right? Web 3 requires interaction. And that's why, that's why like, it's definitely going to become more important, right? Business-wise, positioning-wise, product-wise, um, even thinking-wise, right? Changing the mentality of like someone that has worked for CSN type project for the last 30 years. Imagine him telling, telling him to accept the ideology of Web3. Basically impossible. But do they have a choice? Probably not, right? And I think like, that's where I think we are positioned to make sure that there's a correct cultural mindset to move forward and really tackle that market, right? So Thank you, so I have like to change focus slightly into how to succeed in this kind of competition space. So the next question will go to Joseph. Your goal in every engagement is to make your client success as your success. What are some lessons or perspectives that you have like to share to in your incumbent to deliver value effectively? I, I think it, it brushes back on my initial point, right? As in, there is a lot of business opportunities, and, and I guess Maxime said, I, I do agree that there is a lot of new business models out there to be made. There's a, um, but I think one of the challenges now is a lot of companies are trying to solve existing problems, maybe with wrong tools, right? Uh, I want to have a loyalty program. Uh, I want to have a return and reward program. I want to, uh, is it the right technology? Um, if you're looking at, okay, decentralized platform, you, you put all the data on, on blockchain, okay. So now we're getting decentralized programs. Then you look at PDF, you look at DPR. Now that you could say, I'm going to remove my user data. By law, is, is it immutable? You can't delete anything. Right? You have the cost of using services, you have the, the time, you have the, right? the, 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 the impact on environment. Right? Blockchain itself is taking more impact on, on the environment now than what the whole country of Netherlands or all the electric vehicles in the world. Right? So, so, so there, are, there, there are a lot of Innovation, there's research. There is, is it the right technology now, or is it the technology of the future? Is that iteration on where we're going? And I think that for me is more the, the, the question. So, if a client will have, again, easy money, jump on the bandwagon and do something that's working on the market, and, and you feel that you can scam, that's his grandmother from Ghana money. Versus building something because again you see this every day now you have different NFT project, different blockchain project going out that they're kind of taking their investors' money, right? So that also is again is the investor versus the speculator one. So but again back to the, the point is that for me if you want to succeed in building a product, a product or you need to solve a problem, right? So I think for us we are maybe looking a little bit more down to earth. We're trying to solve today's problems, um, and then we are trying to find the right tool. Um, we have done projects related to blockchain. We're working on, we're with different companies now that are working on blockchain. It's very interesting problems. 
Uh, but for us as a company, we're also probably able to find someone in architecture and things to run with that. Right. So I think, like, like everything else, like uh, again, AI, um, a few years back, every startup in, in Southeast Asia had AI and ML on there. So I think everybody's an AI company because they do hard work, algorithms, right? They have a new statement in their code. Now they're an AI company. Right? So um, before that, it was chatbots, right? Everybody got chatbots. Everybody thinks chatbots are sold world. Every problem, everybody that ever used a chatbot, you're going into a when do you use the chatbot? When you are upset. <laughs> one day she works it. It's a chatbot. Right. So, so I think there is there's the right use case for and the right time for everything. And then again, as an engineer, I'm, I'm very passionate about engineering, I'm very passionate about software and solving problems. Um, but again, I'm, I'm still trying to find that right use case. Um, and, and for me, it's yeah, I love to, to follow technology and get to this. But again, depending on what the client is, we will advise them at least to find a solution to solve their problems. Um, but of course, I do understand there's a lot of optimistic uh, thinking, and there's a lot of money to be made. Um, it, it just depends on how you make that money. Right. So. OK, thank you, Justin. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's a it's an interesting thought because like you know when you talk about like creating value for clients or whatnot. I mean I used to before I worked for SCD, I used to work for Accenture as well, right? So we're all in the same space. So we're all like trying to deliver value at the end of the day, right? Whatever value means to the client. But I do realize that actually a lot of times like you know you tell when you serve the clients, um, they don't, they don't really know what they want as well, right? A big part of this, and maybe this is not necessarily related to Web3 or whether it's related to blockchain, etc. but I see that the one biggest value that we always strive for was trying to define that problem of it, like what you said on an engineering front, right? This is a much harder thing to do than a lot of people realize, right? Much, much harder. A lot of people have grand ideas and things. Everyone over here probably has like a different idea of what Web3 and blockchain is as well, isn't it? But being able to siphon that down to a point, right? Being able to actually decide that, hey, this is the real problem that you really want to solve. That, to me, I think is like you know, one of the things that a lot of like people like yourself would try to do, and you know, give that continuous value creation, right? Regardless of blockchain. Yeah. Thank you, and then for another. So the last question will go to Jonas, and then I will give the opportunity to the people here to ask the question. So anyone. The question, please lay your hand and then I will give the, the microphone to you. Yeah. So, Jonas, what is your perspective on this, especially when you have seen so many worship based on fintech documentation and incubation program? Yeah, so on, on the success, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's very hard. <laughs> no, but it's true, you know. Um, I mean, maybe let's look at it. Uh, one side is the startup side, the other one is also the, the incumbents that we are working with. And maybe I start with the incumbents. I think one of the failing strategies that I'm seeing is that an incumbent has this brilliant idea. Yeah, maybe they want to do something in blockchain, right? And then they just basically start plowing millions into, into that project um, and just go really for this one project, and that has to be a success. And that's usually, uh, you know, not, I mean, it can work out, but frankly, um, if you just have one project, it might fail, right? So and that's going to be um, having quite some significant um, impacts. 
So what I would advise also to corporates is really like, you know, don't put all your eggs into one basket. Really, again, prototype, experiment. Um, that's really how you, you, you can achieve success in my opinion, if you just really explore. And then on the startup side, I mean, we are running different kinds of programs. And I think at the end of the day, what we are also doing is we believe in the law of big numbers at the end. Um, even though I'd love to be able to predict which startup is going to have success, but we have to be honest. I mean, at the end of the program, we have 10 startups. One might be really good, five are just okay, and then two, three within three, four years will not be around anymore. And that's just that's just the fact, right? So in that sense, again, um, and then in terms of what are the success factors, I mean, we really look at, especially early stage, you really want to look at the team. I mean, Maxime can for sure, I mean, you guys are all um, entrepreneurs yourself. Um, it's the team, the initiative is going to be so important because you will face so many hurdles, so many roadblocks. You need to have grit, but you also really need to have experience in space. Um, so we really look at the founding team. Who are they? Do they have complementary skills? Um, but then there are a lot of other factors like you know, is the market big enough? And here we're talking about ASEAN, right? I mean, if if you are a startup that's setting up in Singapore, there are only five million customers and potential that you can reach. That's never really going to get you to a unicorn status. So you need to really look at the bigger market, um, and you need to explore it. Is is this actually whatever I'm building? Is this uh, addressing a problem that people will adopt in these other markets? Um, I think you mentioned timing, you know, Facebook was a great idea. Was it a great idea five years earlier or, or two years later? Probably not. <laughs> you would have failed miserably. So um, all of these are, are um, factors that we consider when we get started into, into our program. I think I, I could go on forever, but there is no, no great formula that, I mean, we're still working on that. I'd just like to... Uh, to, to add something about what you said because it's exactly true and um, talking about blockchain again I'm sorry for that but people today want the Netflix of blockchain so when internet started you didn't have Netflix you had to wait many years to get Google map on your phone and so on social media that's why it called web one then after web two and web three today people are so impatient they saw blockchain, it's a new technology, so they want uh, streaming on blockchain, or putting everything on top. And what we are seeing uh, people failing in the blockchain space is generally people who don't understand the technology and the where, the, at which stage the technology is. So there are grand ideas about blockchain and revolution is the world, but uh, you need to have the correct infrastructure in order to do it. And uh, yeah, that's. On overall, for the past five years, we have seen uh, companies succeed in this space because they understood the technology. Thank you for the input. And I believe we heard many excellent angles of the perspective. So I think let's open to the floor for the question. Anyone have any question? Please display your hand. Comments? Comments? Well. Comments? Oh, sorry. Oh, add on anything? Yeah, you can share. Yeah. If you don't mind, if you don't mind. <laughs> 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 Rock, rock pulls 
sense, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we, uh, we've got a, it's not uh, really DeFi search. I mean, if we were using industry speak, we are CDFI. Um, so we are similar to Celsius Network or Nexo, um, so being a, a centralized, decentralized uh, application. Uh, I, I'm not sure entirely what it is you want to know, but um, we're a very early stage startup. We founded the company about 12 months ago, and February is our, our 12 month anniversary. So we're currently sitting with about 75,000 customers and half a billion dollars of assets in the management. So it's uh, been a pretty rapid rise. Um, we kind of fall in this grey area between uh, cryptocurrency and decentralised finance. So it's quite a, a sort of niche area that we're pushing into. Um, I think one of the questions I was going to ask, and I don't know if it's a specific question or a comment, um, but it's probably more around the, the sort of regulatory and compliance landscape of, of crypto specifically. Um, you know, certainly being at the sort of forefront of, of the DeFi sector, um, it's an area that, that we're very conscious of. Uh, we're constantly trying to thread the needle in terms of staying on the right side of compliance. So, um, as I say, I'm not really sure that there's a question on the back of that, but. Um, if there is a question on the back of that, it might be along the lines of how do we see the regulatory compliance landscape evolving around kind of things like DeFi and things like cryptocurrency specifically. Thailand's, you know, very kind of open to this, but well, they start off being quite open and then they start closing doors behind them often, but uh, I'd be interested to get the panel's um, take on, on, on where they see the, the, the sort of regulatory landscape progressing. Okay, we have a starter add something so um, when you talk about crypto there is two kind of people there is the first one they believe in decentralized finance don't want to talk to a bank they want to keep their money themselves and they don't want middlemen that's how crypto started actually that's how decentralized finance started people didn't want the banks to be involved they wanted to have a much uh, equal uh, service through code and those people are the ones who are making innovation in the blockchain space. However, decentralized finance is not for everyone. It's a nightmare to understand, it's super risky, you need to know what you are doing. So today, you can go on Zipmax, then your USDC get 10% a year. That's nice. I mean, I'm a user, I'm a blockchain, I'm a DeFi lover, and I use Zipmax to respect my coin because it's much more simple. And Zipmax is regulated. Uh, I know, you know, you, you see the CEO on the on TV. You see, it's a real company with a real set of real people, right? And decentralized finance to trust the protocol. Well, nobody is uh, auditing the smart contract uh, before making an investment. I can tell you that. So to to um, to recap, I think the regulation is good because it allows much more people in the space. And. 90% of the people will go with something easier on a regulatory exchange. However, the innovation is actually built by those people who don't want those middlemen. So, I guess this is where you can see the trend. Look at what's going on in DeFi. Countries can try to regulate them, it's impossible. They still don't understand that, but um, I think it's a market for everyone. So uh, I'm not a regulation person at all, obviously, right? Um, but if we were to think about where regulations is heading towards, I mean, 
if I were a betting man, I I could to kind of like think about how regulations actually would enable companies like yourself, right, to actually you know make the markets more efficient. See, the thing that I've always liked about DeFi is that I think is very efficient. Um, DeFi, some people I call it I I call uh, DeFi mercenary finance, and there's a reason for that. People make money and people lose money in DeFi because of that. Not everyone has the appetite for that, and that therefore regulators use it as an excuse, right? Um, and then services start to evolve, like you know, like uh, staking on like, so staking on Binance, you know, whatever, you know, Celsius equivalent. They basically just market make this for you, and you just look at one single you know application. Don't pay gas fees. Don't you know interact with like ten different blockchains because that's not what a lot of people like to do as well, right? And I'm very sure that regulations are going to move towards like allowing these businesses. And again, like if I had to make a second bet, um, we've been hearing a lot of things like CBDC, been, you know, in the US and Europe, you know, over here. Uh, including as well. My, my, my guess is that if they knew how to regulate CBDCs, well, they probably would slowly start to be able to clearly regulate companies that are dealing with like CFI, that actually at the end of the day deal with crypto, right? Because regulators need to keep up to demand, right? And the demand of like even companies with big voracious appetites and budgets are waiting. Regulators cannot ignore that, right? And I, I'm thinking that if if it's just for like you know Thailand itself, at least at least the experience that we've had is that they're quite friendly when it comes to like these kinds of conversations. Um, the the one thing that I think like you know is present in Thailand, like if you were to compare it against say like MES, right, back back in Singapore, is that MES is not going to ask you what do you think, right? They're just going to do it, right? But over here, I think like. They are figuring it out themselves, right? It's experimental, um, and I think like regulation is probably going to move towards easing. They just probably don't know which statement to make first, right? It's not a sequential thing, right? So, I mean, if I had to, like I said, if I had to bet, I think regulations are going to not necessarily ease up on cryptocurrency, but I think be more open to businesses based on crypto investments, right, and blockchain investments applies to things like synthetic stocks, right? Uh, synthetic securities, like security tokens, etc. right? Uh, you see a very, very big synthetic market on, um, on the blockchain, right? Whether is it on Luna, whether is it on, uh, you know, um, Yearn Finance with like Iron Bank, etc., etc. right? So I don't think like regulators actually understand that these things even exist today. Like most of them don't, right? Um, you tell them that like, I want to do a synthetic on, let's say, like a stock exchange of time, and they ask you what the hell is a synthetic, right? So, I mean, like, they're catching up, and I think we just have to give them enough time to catch up. Um, but I have no doubt that they do see the value in, like, you know, digital currencies, whether it's a CBDC or, like, public uh, cryptocurrency. And I think they do see value in blockchain because I think, like, again, they realize that they need to keep making um, new forms of GDP. Right? They need to get people to actually make more money, create more businesses, etc. So, I mean, long story short, again, I'm not a regulations guy, but I think regulations will support it. I mean, eventually, I just you can't just can't tell when, but they know they have to do it quick.
So, 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 so quick question here from the on the feasibility of, of using blockchain, right? We talk about decentralized. Um, so, so again, there are challenges with, okay, what's the ASCII payment uh, time of actually doing transactions, the, the data you store on chain. Um, again, as mentioned, GDPR, TPA, you cannot really store things that you can never remove it. So again, how, how do you solve these problems by, by building a decentralized solution where you do not have to put all your data in a centralized database or off-chain? private chain, right? I said, how do you solve it? Because for me, it seems like it's broken. Okay. First, the stack payment. Today, we are not going to do payment on blockchain. We have Pompeii, it's very good, it works perfectly. Why would you make payment on blockchain? It doesn't make any sense. So, you're right, many of the applications that people are thinking of blockchains, they don't make any sense today. Um, the, te the infrastructure is not there, the technology is not mature enough, Want to make a transfer on Ethereum because you're 50 dollars. You have a lot of applications, but not to solve the problems that people are thinking about. And I remember I had these conversations with companies uh, from 2018 to 2020, it was the same. Uh, they said, Oh, we want to implement blockchain in payments. So, All right, good luck. <laughs> so, yeah, but because blockchain, we can do cross border and uh, delete the fees and the remittance and so on. Yes, you can do it, but to make people use it on their bank uh, application, it's a very difficult task. So it's not for everything, and production is not here to solve any uh, issues. But I think there is some infrastructure things like layer two. It's very difficult. You don't want to understand it. You don't need to understand it. But it's coming. People are building application on top of it. So you are going to use those layer two solutions, paying less fees. And you can transact on Ethereum like this, but they, it requires a very large amount of uh, engineering and applications before you're able to do it. And as I said, people in blockchain are so impatient. Uh, they want to make some 100x in two weeks, because you know making uh, 2x in two days is not enough. And it's the same thing for the technology itself. They want everything now. And it's difficult to say no, but uh, it's going to. We are going to get there, but it's going to take some time. I, I got a, I got a good answer. I'll take a stab at this. I mean, as a tech guy, right? As a tech guy, so forget about blockchain. Forget about as a tech guy. I see blockchain technology itself fitting into very different types of spaces, right? Um, consider blockchain in a private environment where you have like your own private consortium, etc. That is really kind of like isolated, right? There are a couple of good cases uh, over there for, let's say, data management. And I'll tell you why. Like, we did a project back, you know, when a PDPA was supposed to come out, right? And managing customer data across many different databases, across different legacy systems, was a complete nightmare, right? Audit did not know where the data was. Some was on papers, you know, whether or not. And I think like if let's say people start to move towards let's say a common technology, right? Uh, and now blockchain itself, especially in the private spaces, you don't have that many, I guess, enterprise choices, if I put it this way. You either go with like Ethereum in you know, a private Ethereum consensus or you go with something like R3 Coda or like Hyperledger, right? Something like that. Because the choices are actually quite little, right? The innovations over there from the technology improvement standpoint are also very concentrated. 
Now, if I bring my data use case back into this, right? And the good thing about some of these enterprise blockchains is that you can actually choose what to go uh, and be exposed to a party. So it's not like you know Ethereum goods such a thing. Everything is open, right? Think of it. I, I see. I see like private blockchains like Zcash transactions, right? Or Tornado Cash transactions, right? You roughly know what's going on, but you don't know. Same like what ING did, right? ING did this uh, zero knowledge range proof. Um, a thing where they sped up KYC follows a lot better. Why? Because they did not need you to upload a document, right? They needed to just basically ask you, hey, where are you located? Um, and when did you answer that question, you didn't even have to say, I'm located in Singapore. You can say, I'm located in ASEAN, right? Um, and because of like these kinds of uh, implementations that are possible with blockchain itself, right? Verifiable, but I don't need all the data. That to me, I think, is something that is a very interesting use case from an engineering standpoint. Right? Not needing to basically know that you have the password, but I can prove to you that I have the password without showing you the matter of fact, right? Something like that. So that's one space. On public blockchains, uh, there was, I was just reading this article actually like earlier today, right? And I mean, like we're talking about whether you know just about transaction fees, gas, etc. I, I think a lot of people kind of like use the gas problem um, as a conversion, uh, as a way to kind of like stop that technology conversation. I mean, like, if I look at gas on like AVAX or like Phantom or whatnot, I mean, they're all EVM compatible, but they're quite cheap, right? It's also like three cents for a transaction, not like your usual arm and a leg on Ethereum, right? So for them, like, if I use, let me, let me, let me, so let me, let me talk about this use case I just saw. Wage workers, right? People who clock in and clock out. Um, if you guys use DeFi, you will know that um, your rewards when you stake something is actually per second. If I were to convert something like that to, let's say, your Netflix payment, every time I uh, decide to switch on a movie, it starts, and then I do a per second bid, right? And then I want to switch it off, is that basically I'm staking your coins, right? These are actually like interesting models that you probably could not do again without. That's something that to me from an engineering perspective is really interesting. Right? But again, whether you want the data on public or not, I think that's at the end of the day a choice, right? That's a completely different conversation. I don't want to go there because the two schools of thought are very, very different. But yeah, I mean like I think that, that's how I would see it, right? Technology wise. Um, well, decentralization again, let's put that aside first, right? Because <laughs> because you see like I, I think you know about that, that trilemma thingy, right? Uh, you have security, you have uh, decentralization, and then you stable, right? You cannot have all three, right? So if I just look at blockchain, uh, blockchain as a technology, then I think you can make a choice, right? You have like a solutioning choice. Now, whether if you want to, again, like everyone has a different idea of what three is, but um, at the end of the day, I think if we want to bring Web three to life. Uh, you know, in a more probabilistic proper manner, then let's ask ourselves from an engineering technology standpoint whether it makes sense for us, regardless of whether it's scaling or is it decentralized and whatnot. Right? And that's how we think of it.
says we are not gonna admit this as too hungry. So then I will just ask quick questions and I hope you're not so hungry yet. But I think this this question is very um, need to be asked because since we touched on DeFi, I would like to go to the very hot area of DeFi 2.0. We heard about one pass down, we heard about tens of thousands of uh, API, API, and that's all collapsed, right? And, and like you mentioned, Airbags and Phantom, we have a lot of Bulbastal uh, forks. So, what is, I would like to ask you guys, what is your opinion on DeFi 2.0, especially the model of Bulbastal, and if you can come up with the tokenomics or suggestion that leads to the DeFi 3.0, what that will be. Sorry, it's a hard time. Let me let me try. Let me try. Let me try this. Right. So, if let's say we are talking about Olympus Dow Wonderland, you know, like a spec model for VCs investments, supposedly like you know redistribute like uh, you know the earnings, etc. Like, I I tend to believe that the only problem with like uh, people like Wonderland as well as Olympus is that two things, right? Revenue share, I think, was never established, right? So you have a DAO that's supposed to kind of support it from a treasury perspective. We support the treasury, but then at the end of the day, nothing comes back, right? So I think that's one main problem. Tokenomics, on the other hand, uh, I think it has to kind of like come to a point where the stock split, what they call it, right, needs to stop. HY, like that, has, has never been um, sustainable. We, we are very, very well aware of that, right? And if let's say if I remember the one move that I kind of like really liked about like Wonderland versus Olympus at that point in time was shifting all liquidity between time and memo to rap memo. Right? I think that was a great move. The problem with that is that once they did it, they didn't follow through with what they actually really wanted to do. Right? So that kind of like caused the price to crash, whatever. But then again, I'm not here to talk about cryptocurrency prices, right? So I think like that failure is basically about failure of delivery, which is something like what I think we were think, um, you know, talking about, like, do you trust enough a person that is like on Twitter, uh, on Discord enough to actually put your money in assume, right, that uh, they actually can follow through the promises, right, together with the whole uh, Sifu problem with on the land, etc., right. So, I think, like, DeFi 2.0 basically is okay. The problem is that, you know, if there are commitments to it, I, I think the model can work outside of like the continuums of the students, right? Um, and DeFi 3.0, I think I want to clarify, like are we talking about like people like, you know, like Andre Cornier, the E33 kind of movement with NFTs? Is that what you're referring to? What DeFi 3.0? One of the idea. Yeah, so the, 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 one, of the, one of the reasons why I think like that kind of like kicked off a little bit of a new movement, right, was because now people had a way to kind of like represent ownership uh, through like NFTs or whatnot. I think that's number one. Uh, taking a little bit of the whole three three model, uh, like you know the whole three three meme from uh, Olympus DAO as well as like a Wonderland, is that it actually kind of like I guess opened people's eyes to the importance of longer term investing. Right. A lot of people in crypto they do not do long term investment at all. Um, which is why I think like you know that's supposed to benefit that created the uh, first movement for. Uh, first movement for um, DeFi 3.0 in the first place, right? Without that, it wouldn't have existed. 
bring in the VE part of it, or the governance part of it, right? That allows them to now start to, let's say, invest in governance uh, protocols that actually they are okay with. They're holders of, uh, let's say, a great example of this is like that whole Solidly and Solidex uh, movement recently, right? Together with like uh, all the bribes that come from Spirit Swap, from like uh, uh, Beethoven, Beethoven X, etc. Et right? If you guys are looking at that, you know what I'm talking about. Well, those who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's, there's no connection over there. But you'll see that that whole governance thing now that is actually solving what, what Wonderland would have actually, you know, uh, required, right? Which is, I love the tokens. Now I'm voting on what I actually have as investments for you to follow through with what you actually have to put it out there, right? Now it's not dependent on like one person saying something or deciding not to let's stop doing that, right? And to me, that concept of DeFi 3.0 is kind of like morphing a little bit into what you would expect as an investor to kind of like take a position in, right? And I think it also gives credibility that you know usually maybe people won't care about because they're under like 50 million market cap, etc. etc. Right? But now with the representation of the collateral and 3.0, I think like it gives the investors confidence that hey, I'm here for the long run, I'm here to stay, right? And I think that's something that we have not seen in crypto in a long time, right? Um, uh, you have the top four wings of like you know Bitcoin and Ethereum, etc. But when it comes to protocols themselves, you, you've never really seen this, I think, like uh, in, in DeFi, right? And I think that's very refreshing. I will make it much more general. And um, first, I don't know what is uh, DeFi 2.0 and 3.0. Um, I'm just using DeFi, it's, it's very new, right? It's one year and a half old. So people are trying different things. They incentivize you to go on a protocol with AIPY because they want to bring users, that's it. But it's like a proof of concept today. Um, I think what really is going to change DeFi, and for me the DeFi 2.0 will be the day you can actually have a mortgage. If today you can take a real asset to land it on the DeFi protocol, then it's going to change the game. Then you don't need a bank. Why? Today you need a bank mostly as regular people because you want to take a mortgage and buy an apartment. And the business is different, but today your credit card, you pay and you take a mortgage. If tomorrow you can basically digitalize a real asset to put it as a collateral on decentralized finance, it's going to change the game totally. And then, sorry for the banks, but I think no, I finished. It's, it's like um, so I guess the real change is going to come from that. Why it doesn't come yet? Because it's extremely difficult. Uh, so I guess it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time, but that's what's going to really change the decentralized finance world. So thanks for your perspective and answer the question. So I think we have another time to go to the next session that Ms. Uh, Jonas will come to talk about the FTM token. Great. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I will keep it short because in the back we have the pizzas and we all are really craving to have pizzas and beers again, so I'll, I'll keep it short. I just want to give you guys um, a quick introduction about what we're doing. 
and I especially want to just talk about the programs that we're going to run in the future and maybe if some of you guys are startups and, and interested to join the F10, then that, that might be great. Um, just a quick history, we are um, since 2015 um, on this planet, uh, originally from Switzerland, I'm also Swiss, um, but now we are in two locations, Spain, Switzerland and Singapore. And we incubated and accelerated over 200 startups so far, mainly in the fintech and intertech space, and now definitely going deep into Web3 as well. In Singapore itself, we work with um, five partners. We work with private bank shooters there. We work with Six Group, which uh, is also a Swiss stock exchange. We work with Franklin Templeton, one of the largest asset managers. We work with Clayton, that's Kakao's public blockchain arm out of Korea. And then we also work with R3, that was mentioned today, with their quarter platform. Yeah, really work with startups from payments all the way into infrastructure and continue doing that. We also have Tressa here today. She's from one of our startups in the current batch. She's from a RepTech startup. So if you want to talk about AML, go and talk to Tressa. <laughs> um, but about the programs, we have two flagship programs. One is an incubator. It's really for early stage startups, pre-seed, pre-revenue. It's a five-month program that we run in all the three hubs. And then we have an accelerator, which is for later stage startups, startups that have already raised the seed round or a Series A. And it's much more about matching them with our corporate partners. Just specifically, I want to talk to about two programs, and then I'm, I'm done. Um, if you guys are in Web3 um, developing blockchain applications, and especially if you're working on gaming, so GameFi, a big topic um, on this Clayton program. Are you doing something in the metaverse or are you working on the creator economy, meaning helping independent creators um, to issue their, uh, their creations on the blockchain, uh, marketplaces, etc. Then that's the, right, um, that's the right area. What you get from this three months program, which starts in April, is you get a 50,000 US dollar uh, rent from from Clayton, um, we will get you run you through a, a three months program. You get coaching, mentoring from industry experts. You will meet a number of um, investors that are interested in in investing in in, uh, in in startups. And again, just a reminder: it's going to be run out of Singapore, but it's obviously um, also probably a bit uh, remote. Um, and Singapore is really a, a great hub. Also for investors, so if you're raising money, there are a lot of funds uh, in Singapore. So that's the Clayton program. Actually, we are just closing the application. So if you want to apply, do it over the weekend. Next week, we start with selecting. The second program is the Franklin Templeton program. It's a program that um, is for Franklin Templeton. Franklin Templeton has actually 1.5 trillion under management, it's top, in the top 20 of the biggest asset managers in the world. And it's a two-year program starting in June, July. And we are really looking at startups that are working on solutions in the investment management space, so traditionally the robotizers or companies that have developed solutions that will help um, to increase alpha for, for Franklin Temple. Operational efficiency, always a big topic. 
um, client experience we talked about it today and uh, that's another area where we're looking for startups and also distribution and product um, another area that we're looking for startups so here what do you get you are getting a hundred and fifty thousand US dollar um, investment seed investment by Franklin Templeton and again the whole concept of coaching mentoring workshops um, and also collaboration opportunities with one of the largest asset managers in the world. So also here, um, applications are open now, so please uh, do apply if you're interested. That's it already. Um, if you want to follow us, I mean, for those that are in here, um, just talk to me. Um, but you can follow us on LinkedIn, on Twitter, or just traditional way, you just drop us an email, singapore at f10.global and you can reach out to me. No matter whether you're a startup, an investor, maybe a mentor, or a corporate partner like the ones that we have, or new ones like SCP TechX. Thank you, Jonas. Yeah. Your book can be really interesting for the FinTech space in Thailand. So this is a great opportunity for us to like apply for this program. And okay, so, so I think that will be the end of the session. So the people that will be looking online, right? So we will end of the session. But people here in the green room, so you can enjoy beer and also this audience. And then we can talk more about the question or any, anything that you want to share with our panelists or anyone here. Thank you, thank you for your And sorry for the, any technical issue that we're facing during the online session. Thank you. Thank you.